0: Welcome to another episode of the Replant Boot Camp podcast. The Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Back at it again at the Replant Boot Camp. And so excited, Bob's still in his daughter's college dorm room that we discussed last week is significantly nicer than any of ours. Yeah. Well, let me Uh, clarify. It's actually not a dorm room.
1: It's an apartment complex because Jimbo, that's I could be in trouble for being a 50 year old plus guy in a college girl's dorm room.
0: (laughs) Unless Um, it's your
1: daughter. Well, that's true. On parents day, parents visitation, but I'm actually, she lives in a townhome community with a swimming pool, a weight room, a dog walking park, and it ain't what I lived in in college. So,
0: Look, it ain't what I live in now. I, I want to tell you a little story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll tell you a little story about the west side of Jacksonville. West side. The best side. <laughs> My son's 14th birthday was Saturday. <laughs> yes. So we decided to take him to Adventure Landing. Now in Jacksonville, uh, which our guest today, Will, Josh Dreyer, lived in Jacksonville for a season, so he knows. There, there are two Adventure Landings. There's one on the west side, close to my house, and there's one in what's called the beaches area. What is Adventure Landing? Can you just give me a a 60,000 foot view of Adventure Landing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's go-karts, putt-putt, arcade. Okay. But the one by the beaches also has a water park. It has putt-putt, arcade, go-karts, all the things, but it also has a water park. Now, the one next to me does not have a water park, and it is a very different experience to go to the one on the west side than to go to the beaches one. <laughs> We're at the west side, Saturday evening at Adventure Landing. I've already run all the kids through the go-karts once. It's now my wife's turn to run the kids through the go-karts. And so, Audrea is riding with Magnolia, and a drunk driver, a drunk go-kart driver, starts weaving all over the place. What? Wait! They don't breathalyze the
1: guy or they don't do like a visual. So bri- is there a 14-year-old running this go-kart thing?
0: Basically, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, basically. And so this guy is apparently like just swerving all over the place and intentionally hitting everyone. And and T-bones one lady, like, I mean, just annihilates her. And, and so I'm just sitting there like – closing my eyes, resting my eyes while they're on there, taking a break. And all of a sudden, this lady comes sits sits next to me at the picnic table next to mine. She's crying. She's weeping. (laughs) The the workers are checking on her to make sure she's okay. Audrey and the kids come over. They immediately go to her and go, are you okay?" And I was like, man, obviously, I missed something. Right. And so they, they go on to tell me about this guy who was going after everybody. And here's what I realized. It was the providence of God that it was Audria in the go-kart with Maggie and not me. Yeah. Because fight, flight, or freeze, I'm fight every time. (laughs) And if I'm driving a go-kart with my daughter in it, and you try to T-bone me, I'm getting out of the go-kart and I'm dragging you out of yours. (laughs) It was just a gift from the Lord that I was not on that go-kart. So then later on, we do the arcade. 60% of the games are out of order. And... And so we get all of our tickets, and you go to the counter to get your Dollar Tree prize for your tickets. <laughs>
2: totally,
0: worth and, it. The, and the ladies in front of us. There's this lady with some kids. Another lady comes up, and she just yells, "Ma'am, ma'am!" <laughs> and the lady turns around, and it, 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 there's a way you can say "ma'am" in the South that you know somebody's in trouble. Okay, and so the lady turns around. She goes, "Your son made my daughter cry." And we're going to deal with it. Okay. And they start, I mean, just at each other. I thought it was about to be a cat fight. The, the guy working the ticket counter, like literally just folds his arm and leans back. Because he's like, I mean,
1: but he's seen this before, right? This is not new. He calls that Saturday night. Yeah, this is a <laughs> weekly occurrence. <right?
0: laughs> so the cops show up. Andrea has to fill out an incident report. Off of the drug driver for the go kart. The I mean, it was just it was a fascinating day. So, needless to say, I don't live in a nice fancy town home. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Now, you
1: sent me a picture too. Mm-hmm. I think it was late Saturday night. Of, oh yes, of the prize or I one of the things that, that you could buy with the arcade tickets, right? So
0: one, yeah, one of the prizes you could get with the tickets. At first glance, just looks like a kid's science kit or something. Yeah. No, no, no. When you read the packaging, it's shot glasses.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or communion cups, whatever,
0: you know, whatever you (laughs) need it for. So that's the West Side. Uh, Now, our guest today is familiar with the West Side of Jacksonville. He is familiar with Jacksonville and all the many places that he has lived and served Jacksonville is uh, uh, the greatest, right? It's the greatest of course, city. Of course, of course, yeah. The greatest city. So today we have, Bob, Dr. Dr. Josh Dryer. So we're not talking doctor, like we're talking Dr. Doctor, doctor. Double doctor. Double doctor, Josh Dryer.
2: First one didn't take. It took two <laughs> yeah. to make it work. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. And so he has had an interesting trajectory and path in ministry of planting churches in rural communities, in being a church planting strategist for the Jacksonville Baptist Association and in revitalization now and professor at Midwestern Seminary and all the things and to the crux of what we're going to get to here in a little bit, a demographics expert, like the expert of all experts. And so uh, we're excited to have double doctor, 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 (laughs) really good friend of mine, Josh Dreyer. Uh, Welcome to the boot camp, Josh
2: Thanks, guys. I'm I'm excited to be here. This already has changed my life. Just listening to this introduction, I'll never be the same again. It's only going down from here, bro.
0: <laughs> Our dozens of listeners will chuckle when they listen. <laughs> and, and Jimbo's mom. mom. <laughs> Josh, give us just a brief synopsis of some of the fun things you have gotten to do in ministry prior to being a revitalizer.
2: Well, you know, one of the fun things that came to mind when you brought up your trip to Adventure Landing was a church planting event that I think you came to. We went to the we went to the high quality Adventure Landing on the beaches and uh, my kids uh, loved it. The best part of the whole event was they came screaming out of one of the water rides because some little kid pooped in the tunnel and uh, <laughs> no one could get out because they were trapped in there. So that... So Bob, if you ever come to Jacksonville, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna drive up, and we're all going to Adventure Landing together. No, I have. So,
1: <laughs> I have a. I am against the water park. So I had a bad experience in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We went to like the hillbilly water park of Arkansas, <laughs> and uh, I was like, you know what? There's like grass. There's straw wrappers. Perfect. There's a, a wet sock and then there's a wad of hair. And I was like, I'm out. Like I'm never doing another water park. So I'll pass.
2: <laughs> that that big, sounds like you're describing the one we go to. Oh, you know, Jacksonville. Perfect. <laughs> Man, God's been gracious to me and I've had a lot of opportunities to do some some cool things for him. I've been a church planter, planted a few churches. In the past, served as an adjunct instructor for Midwestern Seminary, Baptist College of Florida. Enjoy kind of having my foot in the academic world as well. Keeps me sharp. I had an opportunity to serve um, as associate pastor, doing some things with um, satellite campuses in the past, and then served before I came down here to Key West. I was uh, basically a church planting strategist for Jacksonville Baptist Association. And we got, that's where I met Jimbo and we did a lot of work together. And planted, helped, helped equip, train, send out church planters and probably a unknown fact about that whole movement we were part of in Jacksonville is probably like 70% of the planters we sent out were, were, um, non-English speaking immigrants. So we planted a lot of churches in Jacksonville, around Jacksonville at that during that season, we had a lot of folks coming out of refugee camps to Jacksonville being resettled in our city. So we equipped them and helped plant all kinds of language churches, as well as you know non, non-white non churches. So of our churches we planted, we, we would plant 10 to 15 a year, and probably only maybe like three of them were white English-speaking churches. So we had a very ethnically diverse uh, ministry there. It was pretty awesome. And uh, I ate, over that three and a half years, more kinds of interesting food than you gentlemen probably could think of. I've had uh, beef entrails. Uh, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, that's my that was my life on a regular basis, sitting at a table with people watching me and waiting to see if I'm going to eat what they put in front of me, and I did for the cause of Christ. And uh, we've had all kinds of shots, you know, as a as a result of that as well. So
1: <laughs> you're talking about the medical kind of shots, not the shot glass. kind No, no, of no. Shots. We're
2: going to yeah move in a new direction. Yeah, <laughs> medical shots, tested for all kinds, especially. And then recently, uh, as we were serving up in Jacksonville, everything was going great, but kind of felt the Lord was calling us back into pastoral ministry. And we're connected through a mutual friend to a church here in Key West. And as you guys probably know, have experienced, we were called to a church that didn't know that they needed to, re- to engage in revitalization. And so we kind of got here and then, surprise! We figured out that we had a lot of work to do. And it was funny because I remember telling Jimbo in Jacksonville that he's my hero because only a crazy man revitalize a church. I'm like, anybody can plant a church, but for someone to intentionally go into a church to revitalize, he's got to be crazy. And then God, in his humor and wisdom, sent me to one. And uh, we found ourselves kind of knee deep in a revitalization and uh, we've been at it for three years. And praise the Lord, we're almost through our third year, Yes, which has not been pleasant, but God's been good to us and gracious, and we've seen growth, and a lot of hard things happened, but a lot of good things happened too. So June is my third year anniversary, and we're kind of, I was just talking to some of our leaders and my wife that we're kind of over that third year hump. It, it, It all of a sudden just happened. We had a few meetings. We feel like we've gotten over that and we're in a we're in a really good place right now so
1: that's awesome that third year is tough now is key west in the us that's just my question is it, it actually in the us
2: it depends on who you ask so locals who grew up here would declare that we are an independent sovereign conch nation okay which they did declare back a few decades a couple of decades ago we declared our independence from the United States, which is why we're called the Conch Republic, and we declared war. The United States then shut down US-1 and prevented any uh, resources from coming here. So our independence lasted 24 hours, and <laughs> the United States promised to give us several million dollars, and they never did. So we were the fools in that regard. So if you ask a Conk, we're the Conquer Republic. If you ask people a large percentage of our people from Cuba, we are we would not be uh, United States. We're we're sort of a Cuban satellite campus of the nation of Cuba. <laughs> Love it. If yes. you ask our Haitians, they would say we're kind of a little Haiti. So we are a diverse interesting island, that's for sure. Yes sir. That's awesome <laughs> man. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> Talk to us about the the differences in your experiences in church planting and in revitalization. So you planted in Iowa? Where all of you planted churches?
2: We planted churches in Orange Park, a uh, couple different churches in Orange Park, in Jacksonville, and then in Iowa. Okay, so what what
0: has been the biggest differences for you between revitalization and planting?
2: I would say the single greatest difference is the, the slow, steady crawl in revitalization. Slow and steady, bringing people along, changing people's minds, writing, you know, A church plant would be equivalent of like a speedboat and a revitalization is like the Titanic. And you could try and turn the Titanic like a speedboat and you're just going to wreck everything. It's going to be a big, big problem. So I would say the slow, steady rate of change. For me as a church planter and not really having pastored a legacy church before, revitalizing one, the slow, steady change process was the biggest difference.
0: So if a church plant is a speedboat, a church revitalization is a sinking Titanic. A replant is a sinking canoe that turns like the Titanic.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be very – yeah, that's probably a fair, uh, fair analogy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the benefits we had here were the church, Fifth Street, when I got here, was very healthy financially, didn't have a lot of debt, and knew – they knew before I came that they wanted to make some changes – and even made some changes to the um, bylaws and the constitution, things like that, that were good. Uh, the changes they made were good. But when I got here, no one had sat down and walked them through the day-to-day changes that the bylaws and the and the constitution that they that they changed. They didn't actually work through what that means. Mm. And so when I got here, we had a big family meeting and I had a group of people that were weeping because they had been stripped of power and authority and another group had kind of orchestrated taking that from them and no one ever sat down and actually had that meeting where the people that were sad got to tell everybody I'm I'm sad I used to do this and now I don't do this and and that that was kind of that was kind of the biggest surprise was about a month after I got here we had a what I thought was going to be a business meeting about you know some new positions in our ministry and things like that and all of a sudden it just kind of like a like a fist. It just happened. And I said, I was in the middle of it. And I looked at Darlene. And I said, wow, I didn't know this was going to happen. And then all of a sudden you're in the middle of it. And then everybody's looking at you. You're the pastor. What are we going to do? And I'm like, wow, I was not ready for that at all and you know, took some <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: time. <laughs> I think we need to get a t-shirt to every replanter and revitalizer set that says something like this. I didn't see that
2: coming.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, cause it, it just hits. And I was with the guy this morning and he was talking about the first incident that, that happened at the church and he like, oh man, it's on, right? It is on. And one of the things that Josh, you, you bring an expertise that uh, is so valuable is in studying demographics populations. You just mentioned the the cultural makeup of the church there in Key West, which is absolutely different from Iowa. And it has, every church has a culture and that culture is shaped and formed by w- the people groups around it and what's around it. So can you talk about how you got into demographics and really what that, why that is so important in, in thinking through leading in a local church?
2: Sure. Yeah. So what happened was I was at serving at the JBA, the Jacksonville Baptist Association. We went and toured and spent a day with the Union Baptist Association in Houston, Texas. They were kind of like a tier above us as far as like number of churches and kind of what they were doing. The me, the version of me that was there, whose also name was Josh. He's now the he's now the leader of that association. Good friend of ours, Josh Ellis, yes. Yes, okay. So Josh Ellis talked about one of his one of his uh, sort of uh, ministries that he did there, which was demographic study. And man, he said that. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, I kind of went to like a dreamland. I'm like, I love everything. Everything you just said, I want to do all of that. That's what my heart was saying. And so I I talked to Rick, my boss, Rick Wheeler. And I said, hey, what do you think about what Josh said? Because I loved that. And he said, I love that too. Let's get you to the training. So I went to Colorado and there was a ministry there that did the training. They're no longer functioning as a ministry, but they did the training and they would train a lot of international missionaries that would use this, this study in their work internationally. And Josh, as far as I could tell, was kind of the only, one of the only guys that was doing this in the U S. And at that time he would go to Georgia, Alabama, he would go to all kinds of States and do this for conventions. So I'm like, man, I love this idea. And as I, after I was trained, I started digging into the the science and the art of demographic and missiological study. I started to adopt international missiological principles and studies to North America, and not a lot of people were doing that then. And I saw instantly, you know, the benefit of demographic missiological study to. Developing strategies to reach the community for Jesus. So as at a very basic level, all I do is help people answer questions about their, their ministry context so they can develop and apply ministry practices that make the gospel, uh, proclamation of the gospel, more effective. That's pretty much very simple and basic. I help you discover who lives around you, what they care about, what they do for fun, how they spend their money, uh, what languages they speak. All of those things to help you develop strategies to reach them with the gospel.
0: Give us some examples of how you have seen that applied well. When somebody gains that demographic information and they take that and they develop a strategy, what are some ways you've seen that applied with excellence?
2: So, a few, like a, at a very basic level, one particular church was interested in sort of putting their their toe in the water of Christian education, and their first step was going to be a you know a Christian like day school or preschool. They want to know like you know should we. do that is there anyone around us so i developed uh you know a map for them that showed all the preschoolers that lived in all the neighborhoods within probably about five miles and so i could tell them like you know in this segment of the population so i can narrow down my study as far as maybe like two to three city blocks and then of course it goes as big as the world so we narrow down okay in this two or three city blocks you've got you know like 65 birth through you know, two-year-olds. So if you want to start something up, this is this is the age group I would start with with a school. So that's just like a simple explanation. And then another pastor, he had really had a heart for the community in reaching other ethnic groups. And so I helped him identify, you know, within the neighborhoods around your church, there's actually, you know, this huge population of Haitians. And he's like, I had no idea they were there and it ended up being an apartment complex where they kind of and, upsetting, and as you guys probably know, foreign-born people groups tend to populate together. I mean, that's a standard kind of principle of, of human beings. But foreign-born people, especially foreign-born, when they come to the U.S., they find people like them, and they populate together because there's safety in a culture that's like your own. And so we planted, a, we ended up planting a Haitian church in his church, starting with that apartment complex where we discovered all the Haitian people living. There's a couple examples. Of, you know, another one might be one pastor wanted to start a, you know, a Spanish speaking church. He just had in his heart. He wanted a Spanish speaking service. We did the study and there were no Spanish speakers around his (laughs) church. So (laughs) said, I'm like, you could do this, but you know, there's like five Spanish speaking people, you know, in one mile of your church would probably not be a great idea. Yeah.
1: You got to move, bro. Get out of here.
2: (laughs) So he did not do that. So what kind of
1: information, if I'm, you know, just going to give you my information, what kinds of things do, do I have to give you in order to create a map for me?
2: So the way that we start things generally is I'll ask people, what are you, what kind of questions are you interested in answering? If you have no idea, you just kind of want to know about your community, the, the, the report request form that I gave Jimbo that he's going to make available, that's going to give me information for that will allow me to provide you with just a very basic map about your community. We could do a, we could do a a map about, you know, your zip code, your County, your state, or within one mile radius of your church, three mile, five mile, one uh, 15 minutes of walking, 15 minutes of driving, all of that. And then I take that, that area. And then I could provide very basic demographic information about the people who live there, their age, Income, ethnic concentrations, and then one particular type of information I really like to give out, which is tapestry segmentation. That provides information about the people who live near you. That's generally used for marketing companies like McDonald's or Nike or whoever. It gives you characteristics about them, where they spend their money, where they vacation, things they care about, you know, causes they're interested in learning about, things like that. So
0: one of the things we're really excited about is you have offered for uh, all 15 of our listeners uh, <laughs> <laughs> that they can get uh, free uh, demographic reports from you. And so if you have stuck around to the end of the episode, uh, then you've just heard some really great information because in in other places, what, what would it cost to, to, to get this done if they didn't have a friend that had a friend that knew you?
2: I mean the basic the basic report that I would do if you were to contact Esri that's the the software that I use their company that that's known worldwide you'd probably pay for what I what I would give you guys maybe five hundred to thousand bucks and then if you wanted something very specific and customized you're easily up in the five to ten thousand dollar range. I mean that's amazing and. I, you know, Jimbo, I'm I'm thinking, gosh, I, I
1: want to fill out that form, maybe first in line, and then maybe can we do a boot camp episode about like him giving me the demographics of my, about my church, right, and about just the area around our particular congregation. And Josh, one of the things that I just you know that's that stands out to me and is you know I've served in churches in. Texas and Missouri and deep South Texas, Corpus Christi, which is a coastal city. And it's a different, you know, composition of folks. And then Dallas, which is different composition of folks. And now in St. Louis, before of those churches in Texas and Kansas City. And each of those communities is unique and seems to ask different questions, have different needs, have different priorities, just have different ways of doing things. And so the reality is, is that some of our guys may be in a situation that is different from where they grew up the culture that they grew up in. It's not familiar. Maybe they parachuted into a, a place where they it's just like, this is the first time they've ever lived there. And ministry can, because it's hard and because people don't respond to what we might have been successful within another setting. Can you speak to, to how what you do and what you show these guys can help them be successful if they're in an environment where they've never been before and how it can open their eyes maybe to see the, the opportunities and spaces that that God could use them and their church in, because I, I think one of the, di- the difficulties, one of, the, one of the, the, I'll say this, one of the lazy things we can do is to, to say, well, this is just, this area is just too hard to reach because fill in the blank. Right. Yeah. And I don't think that's true because I think the gospel can be effective everywhere, but we can't use the methods that we used in Iowa in Key West right? Right. Yeah. So how how do you help a guy like me if I just transplanted in a, in a culture that's completely different than mine, one that I don't understand? How can you help me ask the right questions and think the right things and maybe pursue some things with the people God's given us uh, into our church?
2: Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind. The first one is I'll use an example. So I was helping a church up in actually up in Ponte Vedra, which is a very wealthy section of Jacksonville, it's like the opposite of where Jimbo lives. Like there's Jimbo, and then there's Pontevedra. They're <laughs> actually opposite sides of the county. But Ponte there's Medera a sign is- outside of the town that says "opposite of Jimbo," right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. It's Jimbo goes there, alarms go off. <laughs> so Pontevedra is a super wealthy area, and I was in. I was doing some some consulting, and I was an interim pastor for them, and also giving them some consultation as they try to discover how to be more effective. In this, you know, in the ministry there, the church itself was um, composed of a group of people that were still very deep south and even rural deep south. These were people that owned farmland before Ponavedro was Ponavedro that sold that land to developers that were now they were now very wealthy, uber wealthy, but were still rural. Floridians. If you guys know who that, you know, that type of people group is awesome folks, very loving. And they wanted to reach Ponte Vedra. Their idea, for instance, in one of our meetings was to have a big yard sale, right? Everyone's going to bring their junk. We're going to have a yard sale. That'll bring draw people in. And I'm looking thinking, I'm like, I got the information, the demographic information in front of them. Let's look at what the people of Ponte Vedra like to do for fun and where they spend their money. They don't go to yard sales. No, they're not. They'll they'll bring stuff to your yard sale, like donate it to you, because what we learn in demographics is they care about helping causes. They want to use their money to help people, but they, they ain't coming to the yard sale to pick up, <laughs> you know, your old stuff out of your garage. Right. What we should do is have a farmer's market. Because they like, they wanted to have, they like organic food. They want to shop local. They want to help local farmers. That that was what they cared about, according to, you know, my research. That would be an example of what I would tell, you know, this is a group of people that didn't really understand their ministry context. We had the yard sale. It wasn't really well attended. And after the yard sale, I said, y'all need to start a farmer's market. I don't know if they ever did, but I guarantee that thing would have been busting at the seams. They had the land to do it no one in that area had land. They still had a large property and uh, farmer's market would have been gangbusters. They would have made money, you know, for whatever ministry they wanted to do, help local people and the the people of Ponte Vedra would have come. Down the road, about six months after we talked about it, someone started a farmer's market. It was huge.
1: Yeah. Man, he's like the, Josh is like the kind, gentle, redeemed and saved Gordon Ramsay. He can come in and tell you what not to do and what to do and make you guys successful in in all so many ways. I like this guy. I think he's really great.
0: Josh Dreyer has a unique (laughs) gift to be able to rebuke you with a feather pillow. <laughs> and you don't you don't even realize you're being rebuked. you're You're like, man, he has great ideas. And, and then you're like, wait, I think he just told me that I'm a moron. I think-, <laughs> I think he just told me everything I'm doing is wrong, but he also gave me all the ways to do it right. No, Josh is a great friend. his his he uh, married up, his wife is uh, oh yeah, twice as cool and awesome. I think she's and-
2: blind. That's not been <laughs> affirmed yet.
0: But oh I think she's God, <laughs> and then he has some beautiful daughters that uh, little plug. You can buy their earrings. They have an Etsy shop. That this I didn't. Even, I wouldn't even plan on bringing that up, but I'll drop a link of that in the show notes. And, well, and I'm sure. going to get my ear pierced then and put one in. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could just buy some for your wife. The other option. Hey, this has been great, Josh. What we'd like to do is Bob had a great idea. We'll have Bob fill out a form, you give him some demographics and then let's do a part two after that at some point where you just come on and help him.
2: I can't like just the idea of being of help of consulting or helping the great Bob Bickford is enough (laughs) for me. I'm going to do a screenshot and that's going to be my Facebook profile, me with Bob, just in the same screen. That's all I need.
1: You did not listen to a couple episodes ago. Jimbo gave me a name and even put a Facebook or Twitter poll. And I don't, you have not revealed the results of this, but he said, what should I be called? Should I be called the golden guru? Beautiful Bob Bigford or below average Bob Bigford. I'm thinking <laughs> below average one. I'm thinking that's what one. He's just not told me yet because he doesn't want me to be offended.
0: <laughs> so I can look it up right now. What one was the golden guru? Okay. All right. Well, there you go. So you are officially the golden guru, Bob Bigford. All right, guys. Thank you for being a part of this. Thanks for coming on. Josh, we'll see you next episode. And maybe soon we'll be having Josh back on for part two of Demographics
2: gonna be awesome thanks for having me guys it was a pleasure
0: yeah so if you want the free demographics report then we will have that in the show notes and on our website somewhere thank you for listening to this episode of the replant bootcamp podcast a resource for replanters by replanters if you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry please help us get the word out by subscribing sharing